All right. So I guess we're uh, just going to do a cold opening then. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yep. I mean, you didn't like the music that I made last week, so... Uh, no, it kind of sucked. There it is. I mean, it was... It's the best you're going to get from me, though. I'm, I'm no musician by any stretch of the imagination. Don't you live in Portland? Can't you just, like, find some rando dude on the street just to... I mean, that's a, a very weighted a, statement when you're talking to somebody like a, from Portland. And, you know, <laughs> I can definitely find a random guy on the street. I don't know if he's, you know, in an indie band or, you know... We need to find this generation's Wesley Willis. I've been saying that for years. And if we could find that Wesley you and Willis I? guy. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's form a, a superhero team up and let's go find the next paranoid schizophrenic with the ability to shout fit throwing hell ride over a Casio synth type score. Yes. I'm Steve DiMaselli. I'm still Kevin Cray. And this is the Teapot Podcast. So so I, I guess since you got to go on the couch last week, I, I guess that means I get to go on it this week, right? Yes, yes. And I get to do something that I've been told by uh, many women in my life that I'm not good at, and that's listening without trying to fix problems. Yeah. So... Steve, welcome, and uh, what's on your mind? So, I hate, 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 hate this new draft lottery system. I am incredibly pro-tanking. Like, I I love the idea of tanking. Like, it's like, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I hate suffering through it with the losing and stuff like that, but it's it's understandable losing. It's at least losing this building towards something. I can't stand lottery systems because they take that that tanking and they just they just reduce it to just chance. Like you can't just you, you can't just be honest and tank anymore. It's like, nah, we're not really trying to win. We just need picks and you know, and 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 of course, you know, they they decide to change these rules while the pirates are in a rebuild. And I mean, it's not like crazy unfair or anything like that, but I, I mean, they could pick as low as 8th this year. And that to me is absolutely insane. I think it's as low as eighth, um, realistically. I mean, they don't, be, don't get me wrong. They could, you know, pull a Sidney Crosby and end up with the number one overall draft pick too. But I mean, you know, there's and they have as good of a chance as anybody that's finished below them in the standings. But just nonsense. Just uh, you know, let people let people lose with with some kind of pride and. And, you know, lose well and be rewarded for it. Um, you know, again, everybody's going to hate that take. Um, but, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I hate teams that try to hang on for too long more than I do teams that just sell out and try to rebuild quickly. And this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt that for teams. I mean, you know, I, and I don't really know if it's going to actually prevent anybody from, from not tanking. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I drifted off there. Um, yeah, you were talking about... Uh, God, I'm really not good at this. Uh, this whole listening thing. Yeah, you have a Man. problem with, well, fi- with think tanks uh, because of the current modern political system. I, I hear you, Steve, and I am listening to you. Okay. Great. Thank you. 
All right. So what else are we going to talk about tonight? All right, Steve. What's something that every Pittsburgher hates to be compared to? I'll help you out. Cleveland. Oh, so, man. I wish I had a, I wish you would have tipped me off on that. I would have had a joke ready for you, but I just don't. The Cleveland Guardians uh, had a payroll of around $65 million this year. And they went into the season with moderate expectations, but I don't think anybody had them tipped necessarily to win uh, the amount of games that they did to win their division. And they even made a little bit of noise in the playoffs. Um, not as much as I th- obviously I think they thought they were going to make, but I thought it'd be a really interesting exercise to see, well, how did the Guardians get to be good on $65 million and what takeaways could we uh, try to build out for the Pirates as well? So I was all set to do all this research. I was really kind of digging it and everything like that. And uh, then you sent me a great article that the uh, Akron Beacon Beacon Journal did on here's how the uh, Indians, I almost said it 10 times already, how the Guardians were built. So it comes down to a few things. Uh, they made some incredible trades, and they also drafted really, really well. So it's kind of interesting because the trades, there were three basic trades. There was the Mike Clevenger trade to San Diego, the Francisco Lindor trade to the Mets, and the Corey Kluber trade to the Rangers. Now, out of those three trades, they netted... Uh, about five to six key pieces. And that Lindor trade, this year at least, looking like absolute goldmine for the Guardians because they got their starting second baseman uh, and their starting shortstop out of it. Um, Ahmed Rosario is the shortstop and Andreas Jimenez is the second baseman. And Jimenez is probably going to get some down-ballot MVP votes uh, because he put up a six-war season. Um, Clevenger got them, Josh Naylor, Cal Quantrill, who's a very solid number three for them, and then Corey Kluber, who pitched all of 18 pitches for the Rangers before having to get shut down, netted them Emmanuel Clace, who's probably, would you say, the best reliever, at least top three right now? Yeah, no Um, question, no question. So, and they got some other useful pieces in the Clevenger deal. I'm not a huge Austin Hedges fan. He's Jeff Mathis for the 2020s. Um, but he was their starting catcher, and he was very good at it. So these trades that I'm talking about, they basically built out their entire infield, minus third base, who they already had with um, with uh, Ramirez. And then they drafted extremely well in 2015 and 2016. And they got uh, pitchers, their their ace, Shane Bieber. They got uh, Aaron Savali and Tristan McKenzie out of those two to three drafts. So that's what the Pirates need to do. Now, when you look at what the Pirates did when they did their own set of teardown trades, they, they traded Musgrove, Bell, and Tyon. And instead of getting the six 
five to six real premium quality pieces. The Pirates got David Bednar, who's who was very good, and then he got overused and predictably started to go down the tank. Uh, so that was kind of like their clays that they got. They got Andy Rodriguez, who as much as you and I like him, and we dedicated basically the whole second show last week to him, he's still unproven. Uh, Will Crow came in the Josh Bell deal, and okay, got a setup man who also got overused and uh, had some problems last year. And then in the tie-on deal, all they netted out of those four guys that seems uh, at all really kind of like a quality guy is, is Ronzi. So they're just not getting as many quality guys in their trades. Now, they haven't had a Francisco Lindor type of player to trade. So there's you've got to weigh that too. But um, that's the kind of thing. The Pirates always seem to be one or two piece behind. Now, their drafts, they just aren't getting those guys after the the first and supplemental rounds and even the second rounds, you know, Shane Bieber and Aaron Savali, these guys are like in the fourth and sixth rounds. Now maybe if they yeah, start Bieber's a fourth rounder, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So that's what the pirates need to start doing. Um, they need obviously the hit on their first round picks, uh, which they've had some trouble doing in recent years. But if someone like a Quinn Priester, a Mike Burrow starts to come up and starts to feed this farm system, the Pirates could at least start to get a little frisky in 2023. Um, but they also got to be able to spend to retain their own guys. Yeah, no question. Here's a good example. Jose Ramirez. You know, we talked about him being third baseman, put up another six war season. Well, he signed before the year. Um a seven-year, $141 million deal. So he's essentially committed to being a guardian for the rest of his career, unless they trade him, of course. But that's what the Pirates need to do with someone like a Brian Reynolds. Now, Brian Reynolds flashed an MVP caliber season a couple years ago, but he hasn't gotten back to that level. But he's still a very high-quality three to four war player pretty consistently. And that's the kind of guy that I think they really need to start thinking about locking down. Oh yeah. I would, I mean, we could, we could make a whole show out of people that we think they might want to extend, uh, outside of, uh, you know, who we've talked about so far with Andy. Um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to, to talk about a Brian Reynolds extension at some point. I think he would be, uh, I mean, he sounds like he wants to stay here. Um, you know, and I think he's, and I think the reason that they haven't traded him is because he's a guy that they want to build around. So if you're going to build around him, why not keep him around and, and be a reliable, um, three, three and a half, four player every season, you, you know, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But, I mean, you, you need at least a couple of those guys if you want to be a part of a – or if you want to have a contending team. Yeah, and, you know, the, before the season started, the Guardians signed uh, Clace to a, a five-year, $20 million deal, uh, which I would just immediately just cut and paste that for Bednar right now. Uh, you know, and I'd be very willing to do something like that. They're just – 
they're doing it on all three fronts. They're signing their own guys. They're trading for quality guys. They're drafting guys. Um, and then, you know, they dip their toe into the free agent market uh, a little bit for a couple guys here and there. But that's just not what they're built on, and that's not what the Pirates are built on either. So it can be done. But, Steve, how much money should the Pirates be looking to spend in this offseason? Like, what what would a, a realistically pirate realistic number B for you for opening day for 2023. See, I, I think you're, 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 I feel like you're setting me up because I think the second half of the show is going to be about me talking about the unrealistic number that, you know, that, that they can go for that. I think they would actually need to spend to be competitive right now. Um, I think, um, I think realistically I, I could see them spending another, you know, 20 million. I, I really don't see them spending any more than that. Because again, I still think that they're probably viewing this year as maybe the final transitional year. And then maybe the next year, they'll, they'll, they'll invest a little bit more. But I don't think it's crazy to think, though, that they could sign a couple of guys maybe to multi-year contracts this year. Um, you know, uh, but that being said, I think, you know, we're, we're probably, I think we're going to probably be looking at a pretty quiet offseason again this year. I I don't know about that. I <clears throat> I think they're really starting to get I don't want to say pressure because this ownership group has been relatively immune to public pressure, you know, the various walkouts, the irate fans and sure and all that stuff from a few years ago, but the the attendance is going to start to really speak volumes. And I think they got to spend some money to start to show at least a competitive product. product. And by competitive, I don't mean that they it's like playoffs or bust in 2023. Because you and I have mentioned in, in the first two episodes here that we kind of like what they're building, uh, especially on the, on the pitching side. You and I seem a little bit more sanguine about that. But I really think they need to... They need to get that payroll up somewhere in the the seventy million range for opening day next year, and then, you know, in twenty twenty four, if they want to be competitive, they really start got to be thinking about eighty five to one hundred million, which is still low for what their amount of revenue is that they're bringing in from all the various sources. But that's a topic for another pod, I guess. Yeah, I don't think. Oh yeah. I, I don't think they're going to be able to get it done at $65 million like the Guardians did this past year. Because I think, you know, with the Guardians, they had a lot of guys arriving at the same time, roughly, too. So, um, you know, uh, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of important pieces really kind of came, you know, and they're pre-arbitration still. Pirates are going to have a bunch of guys that are all over are all over the map. I mean, even, um, you know, the rotations even starting to hit arbitration at this point. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to probably, I mean, to, you know, like, let's say they hit on some of their, the, you know, some of the players they've got coming through. Um, they're still probably to, to really get into a competitive, like we're, this is, you know, this is us actually projecting future success for some of these product prospects. But I mean, I still think they're probably looking at spending at least. They're going to need to spend around a hundred million, I think, to to actually have uh, a, a a competitive team, like one that is going to um, 
but to, to have a chance at the playoffs. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily going to have to go over that, but I mean, they're going to have to be in that ballpark. So it feels like this year coming up is going to be like what the Guardians were um, maybe two years ago. So they might be like sure. about two years behind the Guardians, let's say, because in 2021, guys like Jimenez uh, and even Rosario and McKenzie in the rotation, they were just kind of getting their feet wet. Um, Shane Bieber had an injury beset season, and then everyone started to take that big leap this year, kind of like what you said, they all arrived at the same time. So I'd like to see those incremental gains uh, and debuts from some key guys, and then hopefully everyone just starts to get that critical mass of talent that I always talk about mm-hmm. up here in 2023, and then, then we can, in my opinion, I've always been telling people that 2024, I believe that this team uh, can make the playoffs. And I think that they could be frisky next year if they're willing to spend a little bit of money, uh, go get that veteran for the rotation we talked about. And, you know, it it feels like catcher and first base are going to be addressed as well. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, those are the those are the the crucial areas. They at least need some kind of stopgap at catcher. Um, First base, we, um, you know, there's there's some options out there. There's nothing, you know, again, we talked a lot about this last time, but (laughs) not anything that's really all that exciting. But um, but where where I kind of want to go next here is I want to I want to go I want to go down the path of ridiculous. Okay, I want to kind of talk about what the pirates would actually have to spend uh, to to make themselves into a playoff caliber team next year. Like not just a playoff caliber team, but a team that's going to be borderline shot at you know surviving the playoffs and actually making it to the World Series. How, how do you feel about that? Uh, that little, this little mental experiment. Sure. I got nothing else going on. Yeah. Good, good. All right. Well, um, so I want to kind of reflect back on one of the, one of the pieces that I, I did recurringly, um, back on T-Pop where I kind of came up with the, uh, where, where I looked at the, 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 you know, I, I can't remember. I think it was like from 2010 to 2015, the, the teams that made the playoffs from the, uh, from the NL and kind of what their makeup was. And um, really what it came down to is they usually, in their lineup, they had a guy that was five plus war, at least at least one guy that was five plus war, uh, at least two more guys that were three and a half plus war, and then three players that were roughly two war. Um, and then very, very few players that were actually like below 0.5 war, like, you know, maybe one or, you know, two or three per team. I mean, everybody had holes, um, but it wasn't, um, you know, it it wasn't, uh, you know, you know, it wasn't, you still had to limit those number of holes. Um, and then, you know, pitching of course was, was incredibly important. There was definitely a direct correlation between how well teams pitched and how often they made the playoffs. So, um, Looking at what the Pirates have right now, I think that they have, um, I think they have two three and a half or, or excuse me, I think they have one three and a half war player. I think it's Reynolds. We talked about him already. I think that they have three two war players, and and I think there's some guys that can overachieve in this group. But just hear me out. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I think Key Brian Hayes is is pretty well proven that he's a, at least a two war player. I think he's a two war player just on his defense alone. Um, 
you know, he's, you know, I, I think he was three war and hit for nothing this season. So, I mean, he's a potential three and a half war player, but for now I'm, I'm putting him more in that two to three and a half war group. Um, we've got O'Neill Cruz, who I'm putting in that group as well for now. Um, I'd like to see him actually break out. I think he could be in that five plus category. We've talked about that already here too. Um, but I'd like to see him actually, uh, um, I'd like to see him do more and actually do it before I'm going to say that he's any more in that. And then I think one of the, um, I, I think we can also count on one of the players that's sort of sitting on the fringe right now um, to, to produce at, at, at the two war level, whether it's Endy, whether it's uh, Henry Davis, whether it's, um, you know, uh, Nick Gonzalez, whether it's uh, Jack Sawinski. I think one of those guys, you know, based on our research into prospects, um, you know, one of those guys is going to hit, you know, um, I mean, even if you just look at where Henry Davis is ranked, you know, chances are he'll be at least a two war player. Uh, I mean, based on our back on the uh, surplus value research. Um, Mm -hmm. so, but I think they need a star player. So they're going to have to go buy one of those and they're gonna have to spend some money on it. They, They also need another three and a half war player, I think, to make the lineup, to get the lineup to where it needs to be. Um, I think some of those other guys that missed, that are going to miss this list, they're, um, they'll, they'll find a way to be pretty darn productive and close. So I think, I don't think we need to worry about the bottom end of the roster at all. Um, as far as the, the rotation goes, I think they need to pick up an, a one and a two starter in order to actually be a, a, a world is, series is that number it? team. What's that? Is that it? Just, just go grab a number one and a two. Yeah. And then just, just, just go with. Just go with the guys on on one day rest, you know, every okay. single time, just through the rotation. Now, I mean, I think the guys, um, I, I think the guys at the back end. I think Keller is a fun, Keller would be a fine three runs. He would be a, an excellent four, and I think Brubaker is a great five. So I think three through five, I think you're in really, really, really good shape. Um, but I don't think any of those guys right now fit the 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 top of the rotation, uh, mark, um, you know, uh, or, or the, the the yeah. Um, so they also have a, as far as the bullpen goes, it needs a lot of help. Uh, I mean, they got a closer and maybe like two to three passable low leverage guys at this point. Um, I, I mean, Will Crow looked like a bit of a setup guy, but he really doesn't seem to be able to pitch when the game's on the line. So, um, I think he's probably an, a fine reliever, but I think he needs to be pitching, you know, earlier in games or in multiple innings you know, low mm-hmm. leverage sort of situations, mop up duty, that sort of thing. Um, so you need you need at least two more high leverage relief pitchers and then maybe one or two more depth guys. So here's what um, here's what I, I came up with. OK, um, for the star player, I'd love to see them go after Trey Turner. Uh, I think he's going to get Carlos Correa type money, though, um, probably. Uh, I mean, really. Any of these guys is going <laughs> to command more to come to the Pirates than they would, you know, with with just about any other team. I'm just going with what I think kind of the market rate is going to end up being, not what the Pirates have to overpay to sign them. Um, you know, so I, I think he's going to get about a $33 million a year deal. Um, I, I'm not worried about the length of these deals. I just want to sort of look at how it's going to impact a one-year uh, one payroll. So, um Little little bit of theme coming here, but uh, for the uh, for the three and a half four player, I'd like to see them sign Brandon Nemo. Um, 
22 million is what I'm kind of thinking. Probably a, because of his, he's, he's considerably younger. I think he's going to get a little bit more than Marte did last year. Starling Marte, of course. Um, they, they may have a problem finding him. <sighs> okay, back to the third. Um, did everybody, did everybody get that? That's going to get that one. Uh, I love it. I was a good. I did like that though. That was pretty good. So, but anyway, all right. So, top of the rotation. I think you're going to like this one, Carlos Rondon. Um, yep. Twenty-seven million. So. Um, Ooh. You don't think you don't think so? Or are you just uh, thinking that's going to be that's going to hurt the bank? Well, I I love the player. I love the idea. Um, I mean, it's not my money, so I really sure. don't care. But. I don't know. That just seems like a lot for him. He's yeah. had had some injury concerns over the years, and you know, obviously, he's kind of had a late career resurgence here. Um, I think he would check a lot of boxes that we've been talking about in the first couple shows here. Okay. I mean, I, I really like that idea. I do. Yeah, yeah. He's coming off. I mean, yeah, he is. He's he struggled for a little while, but I mean, he's coming off on a, a near five war season in twenty twenty one and a, a six war season last year so he's gonna get paid i think he's gonna get paid pretty well so um the next guy uh that i have uh so the second guy in the rotation from the mets uh, and i apologize if i'm pronouncing his name incorrectly it's chris bassett um 19 million for him is what i kind of came up with um again he's been it, it like ronan he's been nice and steady the last couple of years um you know uh but I, I think he's going to get paid. I, I, that one might be. I could see him getting a little less than that. I think nineteen might be a little high for him. But that's that's just my my best guess for now. So um, bullpen, uh, I'm still on the Seth Lugo train. I think he's going to get about five and a half, five five and a half million. Um, Craig Kimbrell, hmm. you know, I know he's uh, he's still a viable guy. He's not a closer anymore, but I think he could still be um, very, very useful. Uh, I think he's $8 million. Um, Andrew Chafin, uh, $7.5 million. I think, again, I don't know if he's, you know, I, I mean, he's he's a really good high-end guy. Though. I, I, li- I like both of those guys. So um, all in all, that is uh, $122 million of spending. I think that's what it's going to take for the Pirates to get there. Um, per, per our old friend and the the now Post Gazette featured Ethan uh, Ethan Hula and is that, is that how you pronounce his name? I'm I'm just I'm way off on pronunciations today. Is it Ethan Houlihan? Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. All right. He's gonna. I, I know he listens, so he's gonna give me. Uh, he's gonna give me crap if I if I butchered that. So um, we are making everyone famous. We're like in the dream maker business. That's right. <laughs> we. We've uh, we're, we're like the SNL of pirates blogs or something like that. So um, we were, I guess I should say. Uh, so he's got a, 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 a over on um, over on pirates prospects. He uh, he projected next year's salary to be around forty four million, without anything changing. So that puts the pirates at one hundred and sixty six million in total salary. Uh, Seems a little high. A little bit more than they're going to spend. So that would be just just a shade. Um, behind, ahead of the Red Sox um, in terms of last year's payroll. So I, 11th overall in the league. So I, I don't, realistically, I don't think they're going to spend their way out of their problems. I think we're just going to have to wait and be patient, I guess is the point of all that. But I think some of those names are, are, are obviously more uh, viable than others. And sure. 
I, I do like your bullpen. I think you've really zoned in on some interesting guys. Now, would you be signing these guys to multi-year deals in the bullpen, or would you be signing them to one-year deals looking to flip them? Oh, one-year deals. One year. Well, okay. I mean, I think the idea here would be not to flip them. I think you want to be competitive. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that they're going to um, – I wouldn't flip them personally. Um, but I think that, you know, again, we want these guys pitching in October, you know, not moving at the trade deadline. But I, I do think that um, – I do think – I mean, I, I think that – like I said, Seth Lugo, I think it's a very viable option for them. I think, um, you know, again, I mean, I could even – I don't think they need to go out and sign another big reliever this year. I mean, that might be something to do next year. But, um, but no, I mean, I, I don't think it would be crazy to see them sign another one of those guys that, you know, maybe even go a little bigger than Lugo this year. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's crazy. I don't think they're going to do it. I, again, I think that they're going to be still in a little bit of a holding pattern this year. Um, I could be wrong. I hope you're right. I do. I really do hope you're right on that. Well, I mean, those ideas are all uh, really good. I, I just, <clears throat> you know, I'd, I'd love to see Verdon here. Uh, I'm just trying to envision a scenario where he would opt out and then the Pirates would be like that team that he wants to play for. But, you know, if they could at least start to replicate those Hanrahan, Melanson, Grilly type of bullpens where you basically – once you got to the seventh inning, the game was over. Right. Um, I think that would go a long way. Sure. Uh, but but remember, all three of those guys were all basically picked up off the scrap heap and rebuilt. Sure. You know, what what you're proposing to do is to actually you know get good players, which is a wild concept. <laughs> but uh, get good players. I mean, I, Kimbrel's getting like relative to where he was. He's getting close to being like scrap heap. Like, but he's still. Even where he is now, he's still going to command about eight million a year. Would be my guess, seven to eight million a year. So I mean, so so it would be a much. I, they're still picking guys up the scrap heap, or picking guys up off of the scrap heap. It's just a better heap. That's all. Different kind of heap. A different heap. Well, I don't know. I, I as I've, I've said before on this show, because you're a pirate fan, because I'm a pirate fan, we're maskets at the heart. Uh, it's the off season, so I am ready to be hurt again, and um, we'll just have to see about it. You know, I I think they got to do something because they're on the verge of losing another generation of fans. Sure. You know, I, I did an informal poll with my 15 year old son and basically said, you know, do people talk about the the Steelers? He's like, oh yeah, yeah, people talk about them at school, and I said, well, what about the Penguins? He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, they talk about Crosby and, and guys like that. And he's like, and I said, what about the, he's like, no, nobody talks about the parts dead. So high school kids are uh, starting to already tune this team out. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame. Um, the kids in Portland don't talk about the Pirates much either, though. Wow. I mean, once you lose the West Coast, it's over. What, what do you really have left? So I think it might make sense for us to, uh, to go ahead and wrap it up for this week. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, just a, a bit of housekeeping if you've already made it this far. 
I know that we're not super sticky uh, on this podcast and, you know, you might just catch us while we're uh, on, you know, when, when you see the tweet on, on Twitter, but uh, we are sticky on, um, on Google uh, podcasts at this point. So uh, if you wanted to sub- subscribe to us on there, uh, you know, one of us will post the link on Twitter. Um, you know, hopefully you catch that, um, you know, but, uh, you know, we appreciate anybody that's been listening so far. Um, you know, I mean, we enjoy making these things. Um, you know, I mean, we're mostly, we're doing this a lot to, um, as an exercise just for our own enjoyment, but anybody that listens, believe me, we do appreciate it. I didn't even know you were recording these. Oh yeah. We've been putting these out on the internet. Like for people. Yeah. Are you nervous now? Do I have to start like wearing pants and stuff when I do no, this? No, no, no. It's not. It's not visual, and it's and oh. it's only waist up, even if it were. So you're all good as far as pants go. Okay. All right. Thank God. Oof. All well, right. Well. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMasselli, and it was good talking to you as always. Yeah. Good talking to you. Enjoy the city of Portland, the Rose City. Is that right? Yeah. It is. It is. Okay. And uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you guys next week.